Welcome to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind. This is Dorothy Stewart, Executive Director of Old Firehouse Schools. You know, in the 23 years of OFS's existence, we've seen many pets die. Occasionally, grandparents and tragically sometimes even parents. Two of the people who have lived through this at OFS are here today to talk about how we discuss death and grief with young children, Judy House and Rachel Turtledove. Before we begin, we do want to make it clear that when the loss is very deep, we recommend that you reach out to other outside resources, such as your spiritual advisor or psychological counselors. But here today, we're going to talk about how we, as preschool teachers and parents, have dealt with this issue. So I think the first question for Judy and Rachel is, how do we explain death to a child? Uh, We use really concrete terms that are easy to understand for young children. We say the gecko's body stopped working. That means they're not eating or sleeping or walking or drinking anymore. If a loved one has been sick, you can say things like, the doctors tried to help them, but they were too sick. They didn't get better. You want to avoid saying anything like they were too old because then children may start to worry that a lot of old people that they know, like their grandparents or other loved ones, they might also die soon. If it's a loved one that has passed away, you can say the doctors tried to help, but he or she was just too sick. I'm a little confused about the correct term here. Should we say that someone died or should we say someone passed away? Because I hear both. In general, it's recommended that for talking to very young children, you want to avoid euphemisms. So even though it may seem harsh to say they died, if you say things like they passed on or we lost them, that actually can be very confusing for children when they hear that. They're like, oh, they got lost? Am I going to get lost? Another thing that you might want to think about is a lot of times people say they died in their sleep. And that can actually give children a fear of going to sleep because then they think they'll go to sleep and not wake up. Wow, that's pretty serious. So my next question is, how do we help children grieve? Well, first off, we talk about our feelings. Like at our school, we did have a pet gecko die. And so we started off, you know, the teachers were talking about being sad and missing uh, Sammy the gecko. They drew pictures of Sammy or about Sammy, the teacher's And parents can do this at home as well, you know, wrote down the children's words, took dictation. For older children, they can write about who they miss and why. And there's even grief workbooks that you can buy for, you know, children maybe eight and up. There's a website at the end that um, we'll give you. So you're both parents. So how do you handle a pet's death at your home? Well, we've had, you know, fish die, birds die. They weren't our pets. They just, you know, fly into windows sometimes. Rats, pet rats die. So we generally, we talk about where we want to bury the animal, and the kids can help dig the hole if they want. And then we put the animal in the hole, and if it had special things, sometimes those go in the hole with it too. Some of the rats, you know, blankets or things. Anyway, and then we talk of, you know, we say kind words about the animal, how lovely and kind and sweet they were and how we'll miss them. And then we sprinkle dirt on top and, and bury them and maybe put something special on top of the, of the grave. I think when children are experiencing death, it's important to make the process more concrete for them. And so you want to involve them in whatever ritual you're going to um, perform to say goodbye to the animal. And then commemorating their death, either with a marker or making a book. Something that 
will represent the animal to the child is really important. Our cat died unexpectedly shortly before my daughter turned four, and they had been really close. It was a very brave cat that let my child, even when she was a toddler, pet her, chase her around the house, wouldn't uh, be scared of her. And so they were very close, and my daughter was really surprised and saddened by the loss of her cat. And so we actually got a little kit online where you could make a cement stone, and then it was in the shape of a cat face, which we, my daughter then helped us to decorate. And then we buried her in our garden and we put the stone on top and then we added flowers. And I said, what, what else do you think she would need? And I I remember she wanted to put a couple of cat toys. And then a few days later, she was like, well, she might get hungry. So she put a single kibble (laughs) on top of the stone. And I just remember that was such a sweet offering. and, And it was her idea on how to kind of complete the ritual and that really helped her to process the death. I'm remembering myself in my childhood that we once found a uh, mommy possum with 12 babies still alive. The possum had been run over. So we actually had raised 12 baby possums. They didn't live very long, but we had a whole possum cemetery in Mississippi with little popsicle sticks with their names on it. We would, <laughs> we would bury them at about 7 o'clock at night because that's when there was a revival going on in a church nearby and they would sing to our possums. When children have experienced a pet dying or, or heard about death, then they begin to ask that normal question, what ha- what's going to happen if people I love get sick and maybe die? Well, this is where I would say you don't have to be completely honest about your own mortality. Children this age need to be reassured that you're healthy and hearty and you're not going to die for a very, very long time. Of course, we don't know when we're going to die, but young children don't need to hear that. I think that the most important thing is that you want to be reassuring. And so even though you might want to give an honest answer, what your child needs to hear in that moment is that you are there for them and that you're going to offer them the support that will help them understand their grief and that they don't have to be worried that they're, you're going to disappear or they're going to be all alone. So I know with my own daughter, when she asked who was going to take care of her if I died, then we had a ritual. Every night we would go through at least 10 people who would be there to take care of her no matter what. So she had a list of 10 people she could fall back on. And that seemed to really reassure her. So how would you suggest we answer the question, what happens when we die, when a preschool child asks it? Well, children tend to be very literal. And they might be asking what happens to the body when we die or Does it hurt to die? So first, before you answer and respond, try to figure out exactly what they're asking. Also, people have a lot of different beliefs, and now's the time to explain your belief system uh, to your children. You can say what your family's beliefs are, or it's also okay to say you don't know, that you're not sure. Rachel, some people try to hide their tears and feelings from their children to shield them from sadness. What do you think about that? I think that it's actually okay for children to see that their parents are sad or that their parents are grieving. But to a certain extent, you do have to hold yourself together because if you're completely falling apart and hysterical, that might actually frighten your child and make them more concerned about what's going on. You can show that you're sad and you can cry. But if you are so overwhelmed or overcome with emotion, you might want to excuse yourself to the bathroom and calm down a little bit and then go back and speak to your children when you have a little bit more control. And then it's 
very helpful to think of yourself as the model for how to handle death for them. You want to acknowledge that you will be feeling better eventually. You might want to work together on a project, sending some good thoughts or prayers, making cards, condolence cards, whatever your family's traditions might be for saying goodbye or dealing with death and doing it together. So Judy, do you have anything else to add? I was just going to say it's important for children to know that they, you know, can feel sad and that they will feel better and that their parents will feel sad and reassure their children that they will feel better. You know, you can model that again by reflecting in front of your children and say, you know, earlier I was really sad, but now I'm feeling better just so they they get that. So Rachel, do you have any final suggestions for parents? I think along with being the calming presence for the child, I think you have to realize that it's not going to be your job to fix things. You want to think about the difference between comforting and supporting a child who's sad. I feel that the word comforting implies that you're trying to take away or relieve their sadness. And actually, it's much better to just be supportive and acknowledge what your child is going through without trying to fix things. You can use phrases like, I'm sorry this is happening, I feel sad too, how do you feel? And would you like to tell me about it? How are you feeling? You want to reassure your child, I'm here for you. Ask them what they think is going on or acknowledge how much they they miss their pet or they wish their loved one was there. You want to hold them, reflect what you heard, and, and really withhold judgment because children are still so little, they're coming to understand this at their own speed. That's something we talk about, too, that cognitively for young children, it's really hard to understand that death is permanent. There will be lots of questions, so just keep answering them. Yeah, I've heard tell of many stories of they'll explain that, oh, their grandparent had passed away, and then the next day the child will be like, oh, can we go to grandma's house? And that can be very confusing. So we usually end our podcast with some recommendations for resources. Do we have some of those, Judy? We do. We have some favorite books on grief. One is called The Invisible String, and I've bought this for school and at home. And it's great for all kinds of separations, not just death. If you're going on a work trip, you're going to be separated. It's a really it's a really nice, easy one. Also, Lifetimes, The Beautiful Way to Explain Death to Children. I have this, again, at school and at home. You can read it any time, and it goes through, like, the lifetime of a bug, of a plant, of a person, of a bird, of a fish. And so it just kind of normalizes it that everything is born and everything dies and in between there is living. There's also one called If Nathan Were Here and that's for if somebody dies unexpectedly. Now, disclaimer, I can't read this one without crying. <laughs> so just so you know. Then I think Rachel had some books too. Uh, yeah, for one that I really like that's very, very simple and as Judy said, can also be used for other types of separations. It's simply called The Goodbye Book by Todd Parr and it just page by page, it has very simple stick figure illustrations and set, uh, just explains uh, what it's like to miss someone and wish that they were here again. And then another book that I found very helpful was called The Tenth Good Thing About Barney by Judith Voyors. It's about a child that has lost his pet cat Barney and they spend time trying to make a list of 10 good things that they loved about their pet to honor and commemorate them. And some other websites and resources that we have? Uh, yeah, there's one, artwithheart.org and the Dougie Center, the National Center for Grieving Children and Families. They both have toolkits dependent on the age of the child. 
I'd like to thank you, the audience, for listening to us. I'd like to thank Judy House and Rachel Turtledove for being here with us. And I'd like to say I know there's no timetable on grief. It takes as long as it does. We hope that what we've given you today will be of help to you should you ever need it. And most of these resources are listed on our website. Thanks again for listening to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind. Being a working parent means that I am always rushing to make sure things are done. You know what helps? The OFS Concierge Services. If I know my husband will be on a trip, I'll order dinner ahead of time and just take it straight from the OFS fridge when I go home with my child. One less thing to worry about. Or when I'm about to host a party at my house, I'll use Housekeeping Delphine to clean my house before or sometimes after the party. The best part is part of their fees go back to my child's teacher, who deserves so much. I love that I am getting a service and also giving back to her. Check out the OFS website at www.oldfirehouseschool.com to find out more about the concierge services, which include school lunches, nanny services, and a family photographer.